Evolution, Revolution. A discussion on the changing shape of us. This podcast series has grown out of some articles I've written, which you can find in the show notes. Lifeline Church is undergoing a transition. This is a critical stage for those who have grown up in Lifeline or joined along the journey to bring their unique contribution to the table, because those that have led for the last 40 years won't be leading for the next 40. As we continue the journey, we need to know what we need to carry with us, what can be left behind, and what needs to be developed. I hope this podcast, along with my articles, might provoke and inspire you to offer what you carry. Okay, wonderful. So, hello, my name is Nick, and I'm here with Jamie. Jamie, say hello. Hello. And I'm also here with Ella. Hello, Ella. Hey. Okay, cool. Um, So we're going to carry on with our podcast series, looking particularly at some articles Jamie's been writing over the little while. Over the little while? Over the last little while. Um, And (laughs) it's funny how your English just goes out the window once you know you're being recorded. Um, And so we're going to look at an article you wrote today, which was about creating space. Was it called Create Space? Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, the initial... Wow, I really can't speak today. (laughs) So, the initial inspiration for you to write this article was off the back of something you heard Hugh Osgood uh, speaking about. Now, Hugh Osgood is a senior UK church leader, uh, former president of Churches Together, and someone who's had quite a close relationship with our church for many years. And he was a guest uh, speaking at a leaders weekend a few years back. And as he was sharing at one point, he said, the role of leadership is to create space. And this caught your attention. My question is, why did it catch your attention? And what is the biblical basis or just what is it about this idea? Why is the role of leadership to create space? And what does that mean? Uh, So the, the phrase caught my attention because... I've always been someone that has benefited from space being created for me um, when people have been willing to give me an opportunity, even when people have seen something that I could contribute that I might not have even been aware was there for myself. And it's, it's amazing how you can grow into the space that someone else can provide for you. And so with where we were at as a church, um, We've been on this, the the length of the time since the church has been established, you're getting to a point now where you're getting the, almost the third generation um, emerging in terms of of age group that are at that point of, okay, well, what is their space to contribute to the shaping of who we are as we go forward? And it just so happened that we had celebrated a few months before Hugh spoke uh, 40 years of of lifeline and it occurred to me at that point the people that have led for the last 40 years will not be leading for the next 40 years and so what does what do we need to do intentionally now to make sure that we're ready for those times to to come but also it's it's not just once the current leadership of uh of passed away it's right now everyone's got a contribution to make and so if you're looking scripturally, you're looking at the idea of we're, we're a nation, a royal priesthood um, that talks about in, in Peter. I think that 
expectation that every everyone has something to contribute that adds to the flavor of who we are and shaping of the direction of who we are um yeah mm. okay ella is always just you know butt in as and when you feel um so i was really struck you kind of start your article almost from the beginning you talk about a situation happened when you were 13 years old and your your youth leaders asked you to start a prayer group what do you think made them so confident that you would actually be able to do this at the age of 13 i mean i don't even think my voice had broken by the age of 13 you know what was this not a quite a risky opportunity to give to such a young person limited life experience you know i'm not even sure if i would have been leading people to pray to the right god at that point yeah is there not does the risk not maybe outweigh the the potential good? And it's, it's difficult to to <clears throat> say what their motives were, yeah. um, but I think the reward was worth the risk, um, and I think that's the way that we can be a little bit more willing to try something. Um, my father, that that started the church, would often say, "Well." no harm done you try something it doesn't work you try something else and um i think there's th they were willing to try something i don't think we knew at the, that time that it would have continued for so many years um and so it felt very limited cost in terms of that but yeah it, it could be risky um the kind of disappointment that you can have when you start something up for your peers and don't really really recognize what you're trying to do or the fact that your 13 year old boys do not just want to be playing on the computer rather than praying but um i think with their ongoing support and that's quite a key thing when you're creating space it's not just oh here's an opportunity have a crack at it see you later but my youth leaders were near me ready to input they gave the space but when i said oh said I'm, I'm struggling they they stopped stepped back in again but even when they stepped in they brought a level of authority into the group but then kept on handing that back to me so it would have been quite easy to think oh he, he's he's under pressure let's just take it over um but no there was always a recognition that this was something that i was to do and they wanted to to help facilitate that mm. so just off the back of that so it wasn't necessarily your youth leaders were like, right, we need a 13-year-old. We need some young blood or whatever to, to lead something. They'd seen something in you, but were also willing to go on that journey with you. Yeah, I, I would assume that they'd seen something that they wanted to kind of fan into flames. Um, and even before I'd necessarily seen it. Mm. It's interesting just thinking recently in the last little while how we in the prayer meetings we've been using some um I don't want to call them prayer games I don't <laughs> but some things that you were doing in in this group 25 years ago I, don't, I hate to say it like, yeah yeah but even now how we're seeing that investment that those leaders had in you at a young age is still something that as a church we are praying what I'm trying to say is we're praying in a way that we learned from your prayer group all the way back then yeah, and we had the space to play around and make some stuff up. 
that we hadn't seen anywhere else and um that's that's the creative space that we were given mm. okay cool so in this article you're talking about the importance of creating space and we've just hear, heard you um, describing some of that and you talk about this idea of repeating patterns of christian history and that there's this recurring pattern that can be seen i couldn't necessarily find a succinct way to put it so i'm just going to read um, an excerpt of the article and then ask if you could maybe give us an example of this so you write when god wants to do something new this is your your kind of sorry you're summing up a pattern that you've seen which is decided when god wants to do something new he tends to reveal this to an individual this individual shares what they have seen but the establishment feels threatened by this new revelation and either kicks the individual out or forces them to jump this pioneer then faithfully pursues this revelation and creates a new path others then follow this movement will camp around this movement will camp for a while and then move forward but at some point the pioneer passes away this follows a chance to keep moving and keep the pilgrimage going or they turn the camp into a settlement over time they become more protective of the form and expressions practiced by the pioneer and they fortify the work then God must provoke a new individual to resurrect the movement, often at great heartbreak as the people have to part company as a new trail is blazed. Could you give us one example of this? I mean, the, the best example I would have is the stories that my dad has told about his journey. Um, he saw something and where we've talked about the idea of catching a fresh sight of, of God. There was something that my dad experienced through encounters with God that formed his vision of how we are called to live. If that's how God is and you, and we are made in his image and called to replicate him on this earth, then those things that we see when we see him in his throne room have to be replicated here on earth. And so my dad started a journey trying to explore what that what that meant. Others joined him in that, that expression. Um, he ended up getting kicked out of different groups that he was part of because what he was talking about didn't really fit with the structures and systems that were already in place. So and what kind of stuff would he been talking about that would have got him kicked out? Like? Oh, we, we need to have him for an interview, yeah. don't we? Um, I can't re I'm not exactly sure. I know it was the beginning of the house church movement. It was the idea that there's a priesthood of all believers, that um, it's not all to be done by one man, that it goes beyond just meetings to actually share life, mix in each other's homes. Um, there's the, the work of the spirit, expecting all to be touched by the spirit and operating out the spirit. And so there would have been certain aspects of that which was not received by those that were part of the the group that he was already part of. And so he set out trying to explore what this meant, practice, try some things, see how it worked. But it it would never settle. And that that sense in Psalms of the heart set on pilgrimage you can't you can't stop you you've not got the final uh version yet we're still looking to see how do we become a better representative of Christ on the earth and there there're always the danger with when you've had such a charismatic pioneer 
that when they are no longer leading, it puts people in in three choices. So either we all go our own separate way at this point, or we um, take the things that we've learned through John and make that a denomination in itself. We really fortify those things. Or the third option is we are touched by the same experience that John has had in that throne room that means, man, I will live my life to do a better job of representing him on this earth because I've seen him and it's transformed me. And so the, the challenge is we want to create an atmosphere, we want to create the space where people can experience God and continue the pilgrimage and not just camp and fortify where we currently are. I suppose this is kind of in relation to your last point and maybe in relation to this as well, but I was kind of struck by when you spoke about um, your prayer group at 13 and Nick was saying some of the things that you guys did then, we're doing now um, in um, our Tuesday prayer meetings. Um, and you saying that we were able to play around and do things differently. And I suppose it was a bit more unorthodox than the ways that we've maybe done them before. But um, just maybe like some things to think about, like do we... Um, do we as a church need to tap into more of that childlike faith? Um, I suppose like our children or our young people have more of a distance from like like the Christianese terms or like the orthodox things of the way that we do things or just like be getting used to the motions and um, how can we um, encourage, um, like ask our children, what is it that you think about this? How would you do it? How can we uh, empower them? How can we encourage them in the way that they pray, the way that they serve, and how can we come alongside them? And I thought like your example of your prayer, meet, prayer group at 13 and um, what you were able to do and how you're able to bring that to our congregation, that would be amazing if we could, like as youth leaders, as parents, as just like people that come alongside young people, how we can do that in our relations with them and bring that to the rest of the church. Yeah, I, I I think trying to create an atmosphere where people have the space to to play around, to have a go. The the challenge that I find in this is I want to help people understand the reasons why we do what we do. Because you can have a number of different ways of doing the same activity. But what I want to be able to do is help people realise ah, that's what we're, what we're trying to do behind it all. And not just an understanding, but I want to see people buy into that, love that, own it as themselves. And that's why it's so important when we keep coming back to that fresh sight of God. Is I don't want to try and um, push someone to live by a certain set of procedures or processes. I want to show them who I've seen uh, the beauty of who God is, that they would want to seek that out wherever they are, whatever situation. And that's where the creat creativity really kicks in, is when we're, we're all looking for the same thing, we're all heading in the same direction. And so then it's the creativity is, so what are the s different modes of travel that we can take, rather than let's all pick which direction we want to go into? Mm. 
Yeah, because that just makes me think, I think just using your prayer group as, as the example. So when I was saying how we've been, we've been adopting some of those techniques, so we've been doing what you call name and game, where someone names a friend or a family member, someone that they want to see come to know God and we all get around to support. I'm imagining that that wasn't the starting point for you. The starting point was a heart to want to see your friends know Jesus. And so the name and game, the, the, the process, as it were, came from the heart as opposed to, oh, I've got a nice new way we can pray kind of thing. Cool. Um, so you, I, uh, just a few minutes back, you mentioned uh, about having a heart set on pilgrimage which as someone who's heard your dad uh, speak a lot, um, I've often heard him refer to this, is it blessed is the man whose heart is set on pilgrimage? I'm not sure what Psalm that is. Um, 84? Psalm 84. Um, you did kind of start to kind of look into what that meant, but I thought seeing as it is a particular, particular verse and idea of emphasis for your dad, yeah, could you just, can we just discuss that a bit more? What what is meant by a heart set on pilgrimage, and in a in a in a world where of I don't know of direct debits and you know brick homes and all, and in many ways a life that is set around staying put. <laughs> what does it mean to have a heart set on pilgrimage? I I think you could look at also uh, Philippians three, where Paul's talking about having an eye on the prize and willing to beat his body into submission because everything that he once once thought was valuable he now considers as rubbish there's something that he saw that has wrecked his old life it just doesn't fit anymore what he used to go after and someone that has their heart set on pilgrimage is constantly looking to get back to the place that they'd seen or Maybe they'd seen an, an image of it and they're working to to get there. And what what I'm thinking about in it is I as as I've seen him, it means that nothing else can hold the value that he holds. There is a willingness to um to drop things that could be good but they're not the final destination and um i mean i I get to do i used to do a lot of traveling with my dad and uh he there was one time we were offered the chance to go see table mountain near cape town i was like oh wow yeah i'd definitely like to see that my dad's like oh it could be a 30 minute queue so no we we, we skipped that I think, do you not want to see this stuff while it's here? Now, certainly some of that is personality. But when I was talking to this, this uh, uh, another friend of ours, they said, yeah, y- your dad's someone that's just passing through this life. And that's, to me, what a pilgrimage. They're, they're, they're passing through. They're not, they're not making this their final destination. It's not about feathering their nests or building an empire. Everything is about... I've seen something that that I'm making my life about. I was just going to ask you, can you give some examples of how that would look? I feel like you did, but maybe... Um, she wants better ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of how that would look for people that have maybe, like, grown up in the church, like, they've 
like being a Christian their whole life, they feel like they've got good like moral compass or like people that like have been in the church a long time, but they're not young, just like maybe they don't feel like they're like on this pilgrimage, but like how would it look for them? Because they're not like having this revelation. They're like, oh, I need to leave all of that, but then like the bad things behind, like you might think, oh, but I feel like I'm, I'm good, but I don't feel like I'm on that pilgrimage. Like what can I actually do to take that step? So it to me, it's about choosing what is your ultimate thing. What is the thing that you most desire over over everything, and being absolutely unreasonable in pursuit of that. Um, I think for for young people growing up in the church, it's looking around saying, "Well, d- does this activity that we're doing does it?" get towards the the ultimate goal here and so we can look at things and we think oh wow it's great we got lots of people attending i think in in the article I, I talk about the idea of um right our goal is what we want to see is people coming into an experience of god that is shaping their life so then we can think okay well let's do an intervention let's the intervention is let's run a prayer meeting or run a worship time then you get 30 people coming to that on a regular basis and you think excellent we've achieved it but that wasn't it wasn't about getting the numbers into a meeting that was the prize the prize was that people would come into a fresh revelation of who god is and it'd be shaping their lives so i'm not satisfied just looking at the numbers attending i want to know from those people what is happening what have you seen is what was a decision for Christ now became become a delight in him, which is something John Piper talks about. It we have to keep looking back what what is the thing that we really want? I mean you take an example for us with uh in the days with LCP, Lifeline Community Projects, we had a um a work program. It was a really profitable program that we had this is about 10 years ago yeah Yeah. it might even be longer than that i can't quite remember but um the idea is you 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 get a payment for getting someone into a job and if they're still in that job after six months or 12 months you get a bigger payment as an organization so we were working our way through this contract but we weren't satisfied because we wanted to see lives touched by God, not just getting people into employment. And so we got to a point where we thought, you know what, we're having just to be a sausage factory here, just put, bring people in, put them out, put them out, put them out. And there's no chance to get to know the people, to speak into their lives, to declare who we know God to be. It was too restricted. And so because we had a heart set on pilgrimage, we had a uh, we were clear on what our prize was we gave away the contract at its most profitable time it was going to start paying those six 12 month um, parachute payments into the organization and we gave it away because it was now becoming a distraction of the thing that we've been given to do and that's the same when it comes to employment um, uh, romantic relationships uh, friendship relationships 
is this helping me get to to where I want to get to? Is this the prize that I've dedicated my life to? And things have to we have to be willing to let things fall if if they're not that. Um, you see Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac because his greater prize was what God is what God was calling him to. And so we don't we don't like that because often we approach Christianity or relationship with God as that that one additional thing that can help us achieve the things that we want in our lives. He's a, a he's a means to an end and not an end to himself. And we we that's kind of revealed when we say, but God, I trusted you. And that's when you can easily see, oh, he's a means to an end. He's not he's not your prize. And if he becomes our prize, then everything else can shift out of the center so that he's got space to be in the center. Mm. Okay, I think what we'll do is, this is quite a long article, um, so we will um, pick up sort of the rest of this article in the next podcast. But I just got final question for this one. How do you create space while at the same time providing a lead it it feels like those two things could be intentions yeah how do you do that yeah it's it does seem like it's a challenge because you'd like to say all right here's the space go whichever way you want with it and then as soon as you're saying well you can't do that you can't do this you're not creating space Uh, i think there has to be a context into which we're we are providing space there's you never want as a leader to abdicate the calling that God has put on your life to lead the people that he's put under your care. And that means that the the broad direction of where we're heading has to be, a, be set, has to be accepted. And my, my desire is that it would be delighted in by those that, are, that God's joined to us. But once that is agreed, once people have got have owned the vision, there is so much space and creativity that can be brought to the table. And I believe everyone has a unique contribution to make that would shape who we are. And so I think it's making very clear this is where God has called us to go as a community. This is what it means to walk together this is how we believe we should love and care but now that's agreed what could you do what ideas can you bring what could you try that we've not tried before that would help us achieve what what we're aiming for so and that that's not just a one-off presentation that you do from the front of a meeting that's discipleship you're spending time with the individual saying look do you understand why we do what we do here because there might be a better way of actually achieving what we're trying to do but do you get it do you does it move you does it inspire you do you see that what we're trying to do is actually a reflection of what we saw in the throne room when we saw him and now we're just trying our best to represent that in in our sphere in our life Mm. cool all right, I think what we'll do, we'll leave it there and we'll pick this article back up in the next podcast. Jamie, thank you. Ella, thank you all.
Thanks for listening to this eight-episode podcast exploring how to make a healthy transition to the next generation as a church whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We invite you to listen to the full series, but also to get in touch if you have questions so that iron can sharpen iron as we bring our collective wisdom together. Our contact details can be found in the show notes. For further teaching, do tap into the Lifeline Church Sunday Teaching Podcast and watch out for our conversational podcast on questions arising from the Book of Kings due to be released in July 2023.